With the sinner's restless heart, me by still waters into mercy, where nothing can keep us apart. So.
everyone. Welcome to Sunday Morning Church. We're glad that you guys are joining us today, whether it be in person or online. Um, if we want to gather together and file into our seats, our song lyrics and our message notes, our song lyrics you can find if you're in person on the tables over there, or you can pull them up along with the message notes at the website we used last week, civalhambra.com forward slash Sunday. Um, as we gather, would you stand with us as we worship our God and sing of his praises? There is a 
King of glory. There is a God who saves, one who is strong and mighty. Freedom is in his name, so open the gates of heaven. Lift up a shout of praise. There is a lion roaring, Jesus the King of glory. If you guys are just joining us, once more, we can find our lyric sheets online at civalhambra.com slash Sunday. Touching every Yeah. 
who you are, and regardless of what we have done, you make ways for us, you perform miracles, you turn hearts back toward you. We thank you that you're in the presence of these people, these brothers and sisters. God, I ask you would speak through Adam and give him the right word to say, and fill him with your spirit as he delivers your message and your word to us today. We praise you love you. We magnify and glorify you. In this name of your son, we pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat.
Good morning, everyone. Morning. Welcome to Church in the Valley. We are so glad that you are here with us this morning, and we are actually trying something brand new today. We are live streaming. So welcome to everyone who is watching on Zoom as well. And so, yes, again, so glad that you're here. Um, one of the things we do want to say is that even though we are really excited to see one another, to get to hang out together, we do want to remind everyone to uh, attempt to follow the state guidelines and just keep your distance from one another as a way to really bless and love one another. So please keep that in mind as we're interacting this morning. And just to give you a few um, announcements for things coming up and things going on this morning. First of all, in case you didn't hear from Victor, for both everyone here and everyone watching online, you can get the sermon notes, you can get the words for today, as well as connect to our connection card on civalhambra.com slash Sunday. That's civalhambra.com slash Sunday. And I actually encourage you just to go ahead and bookmark that because we're going to be using that website in the weeks to come as well. We'll just keep updating that every week while we're meeting outside here. Um, now, for those of you who were trying to watch last week, we want to apologize for how late the message came out. We actually ran into some difficulties with YouTube, so our apologies that, that came so late, but hopefully us being able to live stream now will just make things better for everyone. And then finally, as we've been announcing, we have summer groups coming up, and really these are just a way that we want to be able to connect to one another. So if you've not signed up for a group, I really encourage you to do that. The groups are going to be really fluid. There's an opportunity for you to join multiple groups, to invite your friends, to even join different groups as the summer progresses and as you find things that you're interested in. So really encourage you. There's all sorts of different groups, books, groups, Bible study, movies. Um, please go take a look at that. It's really going to be an opportunity, again, for us to connect and just to spend time together over the course of the summer. Now, in just a second, we are going to continue our message series in Philippians. So, Adam, please go ahead and come on up. Adam's going to be speaking to us once again on the gospel in Philippians. Thanks, Adam. Thank you, Jonathan. Good morning, everybody. Thanks again for being here and for just all of your patience with this uh these new adjustments i know that it's a blessing to the church and everybody else just to see everyone and worship together i do want to invite you to go ahead and open up your bibles to the book of philippians chapter 4 philippians chapter 4 and i hope hopefully you're able to access those notes and you'll know that the message we're going to be looking at this morning has to do with the gospel and peace and how we get as christians peace through the gospel. And before we read this passage, um, I, I want to just let everyone know that, you know, months ago I made the decision to begin a sermon series through the book of Philippians. I felt the Lord was kind of leading me to preach through this book. And it's interesting how when you decide to preach through a book of the Bible, you don't know what's going to happen in the news over the next two months. And so, you know, when I made the decision and outlined and gave titles to each of these sermons, I could never have imagined how timely this message would be. And I share that with you so that you don't think, you know, well, he, you know, he planned this this way. I didn't. I just planned to preach through the book of Philippians. But the point for us as Christians is that God's word is always relevant and God's word is always timely 
And, you know, when you don't think the Bible has anything to say to you, open it up and read. It does. God will speak to you through his word, and he will say what you need to hear at just the right time. It's really just a, a testimony I wanted to give to his, his providence and his sovereignty in the whole matter. So the message is peace through the gospel. Let me read verses 1 through 7, and hopefully you'll see that topic as we read, and then we'll get into the message. Paul writes, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, this morning it gives us great joy to know that we do have a king whose reign is eternal, whose love is perfect, whose grace is immeasurable, and who is willing to forgive anyone who will put their trust in him this morning. And God, I pray that for those of us who are trusting in Christ, that you would give us encouragement. And Father, I pray if there's anyone here who's come unsure of where they stand with you, that you would draw their hearts to Christ this morning. Use your word for that purpose. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm old enough to remember in 1992, uh, a newscast that featured a man named Rodney King. Some of you may know that in 1991, Rodney King was beaten by police. It was videotaped. And a year later, after an acquittal, there were protests and there were riots. And Rodney King went on television and he famously asked the question, can we all get along? Can we all get along? And that, it's, it's hard to believe that was 28 years ago. And that question is still as relevant today as it was then. Interestingly, when he asked that question, those of you who are old enough to remember this, he was made fun of. I remember like Saturday Night Live or In Living Color, one of the sketch comedy shows of the time sort of mocked him for asking that question. But it's actually a really important question. And the question has to do with really this. Is there a foundation for peace? And is there a solution to conflict? Is there a foundation for peace? And is there a solution to conflict? Are we bound to endless conflict? Or is there hope for peace? That's the question he asked, and that's the topic that I would like to address. You know, conflict between people, whether it's at a societal level or whether it's at an individual level, is the result of sin. In order to deal with conflict, we have to understand the source of conflict. And that's what the Bible does. The story of the Bible, the Bible is written, sometimes we just dive into individual verses, 
But if you read the Bible as a story, there is this redemptive arc that solves a problem. Christ solves a problem that starts in the Garden of Eden. And the Bible answers the question, what is the source of conflict? Conflict, whether it's between countries or whether it's between political leaders or whether it's just between you and your roommate. Conflict has a source and the source is sin. Now, it's not always your sin that leads to conflict, but it is always sin. And when it comes to sin, all of us are sinners. Or as the Bible famously puts it in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So sin has a source. I'm sorry, conflict has a source. The source of conflict is sin, and all of us are guilty. And, and when you think about the Garden of Eden, there was a snake, and the snake was the devil, and the devil was tempting Adam and Eve, and they sinned, but all of us are guilty of sin. Romans 5, uh, 12, Paul says that in Adam all sinned. In Adam all sinned. So when it comes to conflict, there's a source. The source is sin. And when it comes to sin, all of us are guilty. None of us are able to totally wash our hands and claim to be innocent. All of us are guilty. So in the early 19th century, there's a, there's a guy, an author, uh, a, a journalist in the United Kingdom named G.K. Chesterton. He was an intellectual leader. He was influential in the life of C.S. Lewis. And G.K. Chesterton was asked by the Times of London to answer this question. What is wrong with the world? They asked intellectual leaders to answer that question. What is wrong with the world? And then all these leaders responded. And G.K. Chesterton's response was very short. This was his response. He said, dear sirs, I am yours truly, G.K. Chesterton. What is wrong with the world? G.K. Chesterton said, I am. I wonder how many people would answer that question the same way today. So the good news of the gospel then and now is that Jesus saves sinners. We cannot save ourselves because we are part of the problem. On the cross, when we look to the cross, Christianity has a symbol. The symbol is the cross. And on the cross, Jesus pays for our sins. When we imagine Jesus coming out of the grave on the third day, when we think about the resurrection, Jesus is victorious over sin and death. So when we think about conflict and the source of conflict is sin, when we think about the gospel, the gospel is the good news that sin is the problem and Jesus is the solution. Sin is the problem and Jesus is the solution. And so I say all that as sort of an introduction to our text because if you're here this morning and you are discouraged or depressed or anxious about conflict in the world, whether it's global conflict or whether it's societal conflict or whether it's just your conflict in your marriage or your conflict in your family, there is hope for peace in conflict because Jesus is a savior who brings peace. That's what I want you to understand from the outset. There is hope in this passage for you and for your struggle with conflict. And really our passage that we just read 
brings all of this truth to bear in the most everyday kind of conflict imaginable. A fight between two women in the local church. Two people in a local church having conflict. And Paul uses this opportunity to remind us that the reality of Jesus changes everything and gives us hope for peace in the midst of conflict. So as we look at this passage, I want you to understand how practical and how powerful the gospel is in answering the question Rodney King asked 28 years ago. Can we get along? And the answer is, because of who Jesus is and what, we, and what he did, there is hope for peace. So I want to lay out in the rest of this message, I want to lay out four things having to do with the gospel and peace. And the first, if you're looking at the notes, is the foundation of peace between Christians. The foundation of peace between Christians. Paul starts in our passage by instructing Christians to stand firm thus in the Lord. Do you see that in verse 1? Stand firm thus in the Lord. Those are six powerful words. Stand firm thus in the Lord. Christians have a Savior. We as Christians are not saviors. We can't save ourselves. We can't save the world. We are not the gospel, but we know the Savior. We can point to the Savior. We can direct people to Jesus. Jesus is the foundation. When you think of those words, stand firm thus in the Lord, Paul is saying, we have a foundation. Remember in Matthew 7, Jesus tells, says that the wise man builds his house. He lives his life upon the foundation, upon a rock. And Jesus is the rock upon which you can build your life. Jesus and what the Bible tells us about who he is and what he did is a foundation for your life. As the old hymn goes, how firm a foundation ye saints of the Lord is laid for your faith in his excellent word. Bible tells us who Christ is and what he's done, and that is a firm foundation. And Paul is saying you can stand on the foundation of Christ, and what he's going to say is that Christ is a foundation that will bring peace where there is conflict. Christ is a foundation where if people will stand upon Christ, there will be peace where there is conflict. And that's the foundation Paul talks about in verse 7. In verse 7, he talks about a peace that surpasses understanding and guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. A, a peace that surpasses understanding. This does not mean that the gospel is irrational or illogical. What it means is that the peace that God gives us is supernatural. The peace that the gospel gives us is based on Christ and what he's done and not on humans or what we can do. If you are looking to humans and human institutions to be a lasting foundation for peace, you're looking in the wrong place. Not that human institutions don't play a part. It's just that they cannot be a lasting foundation for ultimate peace. Paul is saying Christ is the foundation. Christ brings peace and upon Christ we can stand firm. Everything else is shaky. 
but Christ is not. So Jesus is the rock of the foundation that brings peace where there is conflict. And this is profound, profound news. The cross brings peace both vertically and also horizontally. Vertically, the cross brings peace because because Jesus atones for our sins. So at the cross, Jesus pays the price for our sins. So through faith in Jesus, you can have peace with God. That's the vertical peace. Horizontally, because we have been forgiven by God freely, that turns us into people who forgive freely. And when we are standing on Christ for our peace with God, and when we are living out of our peace with God in forgiveness of each other, that is how the gospel brings peace. Christ enables us to forgive. So now you remember in the first chapter when Paul says that the gospel is our fellowship. Our fellowship is in the gospel. At the end of the book, Paul reminds them that it is the gospel that is of use to the church in solving conflict between these two individuals. The foundation of peace between Christians is Christ. Number two, there is a reality of conflict among Christians. There is a reality of conflict among Christians. You remember that last week Paul says, look, I'm not perfect yet. I've not been made perfect. I've not died and gone to heaven and received my glorified body. I'm still in the flesh. I still struggle with sin. And because I struggle with sin and you struggle with sin, there is going to be conflict among Christians. I don't even need to remind us of that, but that's what this passage is about. The reality of conflict. These sisters were engaged in conflict. Being a Christian does not mean that we stop arguing, but it does mean that we have a foundation upon which to pursue peace. Now, it's interesting to note that Paul doesn't avoid conflict. The biblical way to deal with conflict is not to avoid conflict, which is, Paul doesn't avoid conflict. Conflict is real and it must be addressed and it must not be avoided. The Bible is brutally honest when there is conflict between people. Peter and Paul disagree and get into what is essentially an argument. You can read about that in Galatians chapter 2. In Acts 15, you can read about the fact that Paul and Barnabas get into a conflict and actually part ways over John Mark. And by the way, in Acts 15... It describes the first council of Jerusalem where Christians get together to address a, you guessed it, conflict. The Bible doesn't ignore conflict. It doesn't gloss over conflict. Conflict is real and it must not be avoided. We have to deal with it. So the third point is, how do we work out conflict? What is, what is the solution? Well, the good news is conflict can be resolved. In fact, resolving conflict and promoting peace is really the passion of the church. Remember, there is vertical peace and horizontal peace that results from who Jesus is and what he did. And so we have all the sort of truth ammunition in the world to speak about peace to a society that desperately wants to know Can we get along? Is there a solution to conflict? Yes, in Christ. 
Notice the words that Paul uses in verse 2. He says, I entreat you. I entreat. And elsewhere, that word is translated as implore, or if you want to use an old-fashioned Bible word, beseech. He says, I beseech you. I urge you to resolve this conflict, to be at peace. And then notice what he says in verse 3. He says that the church needs to help these people resolve their conflict and be at peace. So these are important truths. Christians don't ignore conflict. We know the source. We know the solution. We have a foundation upon which to deal with conflict. But Paul does not say, hey, you got a problem, just figure it out. Paul says, no, the church is the place where we have the gospel and it's the gospel that brings peace. So help each other bring an end to their conflict. I wonder if you know of someone in your life who God is calling you to help bring peace in conflict. Maybe there's people in your life that you're thinking, I know of friends that are in conflict and God is maybe leading me to help them resolve their conflict. Now, what were they arguing about? We don't exactly know. I mean, Paul doesn't tell us the, the whole story, but we do know that these ladies are described as having their names written in the book of life. He calls them Christian workers. These are individuals who are genuinely saved. They just need help getting through conflict. And Paul doesn't give an exact process. He doesn't say, follow these five easy steps. Wouldn't that be nice if we just had some sort of easy manual to resolving all conflict? We don't have that. But what does Paul say? He says, help them. And the point is that resolving conflict takes Christ, it takes the gospel, and it takes work. Help them. We have the same foundation. He says, help them. He urges them, notice it says, he urges them to agree in the Lord. Agree in the Lord. And this is important because people whose foundation is Christ need other people whose foundation is Christ to help them work through conflict. This is a biblical, this is actually a beautiful picture of what I consider to be like biblical counseling. People who have a foundation of the gospel, helping other people who have a foundation of the gospel to work through conflict. These individuals need help seeing how their shared faith can be a foundation for peace. Conflict is a reality But how we resolve conflict is a major part of our testimony to the world. How we resolve conflict is a major part of our testimony to the world. You remember in chapter 1, Paul says, Whatever has happened to me has has happened to advance the gospel. So Paul cares about how we as Christians live and how people see us from the outside living. And how we live has a lot to do with our testimony. Now follow what I'm about to say. Ignoring conflict or leaving when there is conflict sends a message that is very different than the gospel. It is a false gospel message. If you leave when there's conflict or just ignore conflict, the message that we project is a false gospel. A false gospel that... that that says that we we deal with sin by looking the other way or just ignoring it. But that's not what Jesus did. If if, if Jesus is the gospel, 
Jesus didn't ignore sin. Jesus didn't walk away from sin. God didn't say, oh, I see your sin, but I'll tell you what, I'm just gonna wink and nod and look the other way. That's not what God did. Jesus endured the cross. He scorned its shame. He bore our sin. He paid our price. The gospel teaches us to address sin, not to ignore it. The gospel teaches us to humble ourselves, to confess our sin, to agree with God and his word where we're in the wrong, to repent. And repent just means to turn away from sin. The gospel teaches us not to give up on each other when we disagree. Notice how Paul refers to the believers here. He refers to them in verse 1 as joy and crown beloved. He says their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And I think he says it for this reason. In conflict, we're tempted to give up on each other. We're tempted to look down on each other. In conflict, we're tempted to just dismiss each other and say, ah, that, you know, that's just how they are. But Paul says, look, these ladies have conflict. Don't dismiss them. They're valuable in the kingdom. They just need help. And so all of our sort of sinful tendencies in conflict to ignore, to abandon, to look down, all of that is confronted through the gospel and through the fact that if we are brothers and sisters, then we're part of an eternal family and we need to address each other as family. As sinners, we're part of the problem, but as Christians, we're part of a family. So number four, the alternative to conflict. And this is in verses four and five. And what Paul does in verses four and five is give us an alternative to conflict. Now, here's an interesting point about this passage we're looking at today. If you look at most sermons, they separate verses one, two, and three from verses four and five. But I've put this together because I think that verses four and five actually provide an alternative to conflict. Now, here's what I mean by that. If you read the Bible, God almost never says, stop doing that. Just stop. Just stop it. What God usually says is, stop doing this and start doing that. So the Bible always contrasts sin with virtue. Stop hating, start loving. Stop holding grudges, start forgiving. Stop wanting to be first and start putting other people first. You see what I'm saying? Putting off and putting on is sort of biblical imagery. And this is what Paul is doing in our passage. Paul is saying that conflict needs to be replaced by something else. It will not do for us to look at the world and go, conflict's bad, stop fighting. We have to actually put something on the table as a solution. And what we as Christians put on the table is the person and work of Christ and his transforming work in our lives. That's what we put on the table. And not just for the world, but for us as brothers and sisters in our conflict, in your home or in your apartment, in conflict you deal with. So how do we do this? How do we replace conflict with peace? Well, the, the answer is laid out with sort of practical instructions. Look at verses four and five. Paul 
says, you know, rejoice, be reasonable. Or maybe your Bible translation says, be gentle. It literally just means to be fair. Be fair. Be fair. Be rejoice. Be fair. He says, remember the Lord is near. Remember that in your apartment, in the midst of your argument, Jesus is present by the Spirit. In your car, when you're bickering, Jesus is present by the Spirit. Paul is saying, look, these are just practical ways that we as Christians replace conflict with peace through the gospel. Battle your anxieties with prayer and thanksgiving. Listen, this is what I want you to understand. What Paul is laying out in verses 4 and 5 is an answer to conflict. If you separate verses 4 and 5, you miss the point. The point is that rejoicing and thanksgiving and reasonableness are the things we clothe ourselves with to battle conflict. This is the time-tested battle plan for victory over conflict. And to the extent that we pursue these things, we will enjoy more peace and less conflict. And to the extent that we neglect these things, we will endure more conflict and experience less peace. You know, whenever there's conflict, you can sit around and complain and sort of stew in the conflict and wish that other people were different or did what you wanted them to do. Or you can love people as fellow workers and commit your energies to being joyful and thanking God for what he's done, praying for other people, meditating on God's presence. And what Paul is saying is that these things, the things he describes in verses 4 and 5, they don't change the circumstances, but they change your perspective. They change your perspective. Look, one day Jesus is going to come back and he is going to eradicate sin for once and for all. And he is going to transform us. And he's actually going to bring about a new heaven and a new earth. But until then, until then, Paul is saying, remember these realities and let them change your perspective. I know in my own life, if I'm angry at someone, it helps me greatly if I stop thinking about why they're making me angry and pray for them or thank God for them or am mindful of the fact that Jesus, despite all of my faults, chose to forgive me and bring me into his family. Now, what I'm describing to you is not fancy, but it is faithful. God's path to peace for us as brothers and sisters in Christ is the same today as it was for Philippi all those years ago. You must go to Jesus. You must be saved. You must trust in him. And then you must apply his grace to your lives. It's interesting because Jesus never ever said, in this life you will get out of conflict. Matter of fact, you can write this down. In John 16, 33, Jesus says, in this life, you will have trouble, but take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Jesus' promise to us is that we will have trouble. So what's our hope in trouble? Jesus has overcome the world. That's the gospel. And the gospel truth 
will not change everything now, but it will enable you to have peace and it will guard your heart and it will guard your mind. And we as believers will be able to see resolution to our conflict. Paul is reminding us the world is not the source of hope. The world, Jesus is reminding us rather, the world is the source of conflict. In this life, you will have trouble. But in the midst of our trouble, Jesus brings peace and Jesus brings understanding. And it's a peace knowing that this world is not our home. And it is a peace knowing that eternity awaits us if we trust in Jesus and if we believe he is who he says he is and that he has done what he said he would do. And I pray that for each of us today. You know, Paul talks about the book of life and he reminds these people that their names are written in the book of life. And I want to circle back to that for just a moment. Are you confident this morning that your name is written in the book of life? Bible says when we die, we're going to stand before God. We're going to stand before Jesus and Jesus will have a book. And in the book, our names is your name in the book of life. And there's only one way to get your name in the book of life. And that is through agreeing with what God says that all of us have sinned. And agreeing with God that the only way to be forgiven of sin is by looking to his savior, Jesus Christ, to his work on the cross and to his victory in the resurrection and trusting that that is all you need to become a part of God's family. So there is conflict, but there is a foundation for peace. There is a hope for peace, and that is Jesus Christ. And our job as Christians is to trust him and to look to him and to proclaim him to a world that is looking for an answer to conflict. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for for the hope that you give us. If it were not for you, we would be hopeless. We would not have an answer to the question of peace. We would not have a path to peace. We would not have any sort of resolution to conflict. But because you are who you are and you've done what you've done, we have hope that we can forgive and we can pursue peace with each other. Father, if there's anyone here this morning that does not have their name written in the book of life, has not come to see themselves as someone who needs to be forgiven, I pray that you would open up their hearts right now to the truth of their sin. God, it is so easy to point at other people's sin, and it is so hard to realize that we have fallen short of your glory. So God, would you give us the grace to confess our sin? Would you give us the grace that we need to pursue peace with each other? And would you give us the grace that we need to point people to Christ when they are looking for a source of peace in a world of conflict? We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Adam. As we uh, sing this next song, I also want to remind everyone that um, our connection cards are over at that table. If you want to fill that out, you can also fill them out online. Um, and we also have a setup for giving. We can, you can drop your offerings in the offering bucket over there or, again, give online.
Um, but as we as we sing this song about um, really just what Adam was talking about, fixing our eyes on what is to come. You guys can stand with us, you can sit, you can meditate, sing along. Um, I pray these words would be a blessing and would be true for us. In the darkness we were waiting without hope without light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt praise the father praise the son praise the spirit Yeah. 
coming once again connection cards and offering buckets all the way on that side uh, we'll hope to see you guys again next week